Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, hey, welcome to Thursday. Welcome back. We're glad you're here. And hey, just just to say it again, we are proud of you for doing this. We are. If you're part of our flock and you're doing this with us, we are just thrilled because this is so important for you, for us, important for the community. Yep. The better. I mean, I don't know how you become a great Christian without having great study of the scriptures. Certainly can't without the word, that's for sure. I mean, yeah. It takes yeah. a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. Boom. Wise men have said before. Bumper sticker. I mean, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do a billboard with that on it. Okay. Takes a whole Bible Compass Bible, Bible, Bible Church. Church. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that'd be kind. Of, that'd be kind of a cool advertising, if you ask me. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm liking that. it. I, I'm liking it. Man. Put your face right in the middle of that thing. How about Just not smile? Yeah. And point no, your fingers in fact, at I think I've said I. I don't want my face on anything. I don't want my name on any like marquee either. Like Compass Bible Church featuring Pastor PJ. The Burner. Apostle Pastor yeah. PJ Burner. Yeah, we're not going to do that. I don't know. We'll see. We're not going to do that. Never we say never. But we, <laughs> we have had people show up at our church because we are a Bible church, though. That is true. Which is pretty cool. A couple. Yeah. Well, yep. Bible church and the, the Master's Association, man. That's been helpful. Master's Seminary, that website, that's that's produced a lot of foot traffic for yeah. us. Very yeah, it really has. That. Yeah, we are grateful for that, for sure. Yeah. Grateful for that institution. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, think about that, not to be morose, but man, we're the, the church is at... at as a whole is about to lose some pretty heavy hitters over the next, you know, handful of years. When you think about, yeah, I mean, I MacArthur so. is up there. He's lasted longer than I expected. So I'm just yeah. going to stop talking about what my predictions are. Cause I thought he was going down when he had COVID what, two years ago. Yeah, no, that's like, true. Oh, he's, done. he's not, that's true. He's and lion. and there, there are others. I mean, there are guys that are, are, you know, different theological stripes, but still believers like Chuck Swindoll mm-hmm. is up there. Yeah. He's up there. David Jeremiah is up oh, there. Yeah. Um, you know, Howard Hendricks died a, a little while ago. He was a, a stalwart from Dallas Seminary for a long time. Yeah. It, it's just interesting to see a generation go and, and yet be thankful for a generation that's that's still here. And coming up. Yep. That's great. Yep. And uh, and continuing the, 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 the fight, the battle. Um, so that's been uh, encouraging to see, for sure. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to think about that, but man, God has always had his faithful people. Yeah. He's always installed people. At MacArthur, I mean, he says a lot of things, but one of the things that he said that stuck with me, is that every pastor, I think it was a pastor's conference or a pastor's sermon he was preaching, whatever it was, every pastor is like a hand in a bucket of water. As soon as you pull that hand out, it gets displaced almost immediately. Someone's jumping in to take the spot. And his point wasn't that you're irrelevant. Obviously, pastors play an important role in the life of the church, but he was just trying to make the point that God prepares people to take over. I mean, if we're doing our job too, we're always preparing people to, if we got hit by a bus, there could be someone hypothetically who could jump in, take take care of the flock. Uh, but God doesn't need any of us. Right. We are privileged and pleased to be used by him, but really he could, he could use a, a broomstick if he wanted to. We're all replaceable. Or a donkey. Yep. <laughs> or a staff. Or a staff, right. Use a staff to preach the gospel. Yeah. And, no, and, that, and that is so helpful. And that's such a good mindset for all of us to take into church is that is more replaceable. And, and uh, for us, as, as we think about um, just everything going on with our, our church and as you think about the role that you play, uh, just making sure that you are carrying that mindset in and it helps to keep us humble. Um, and that's from the, the pulpit to our greeters, to our, you know, donut cutters. Like we all need to think, okay, if I'm out, somebody else will step in and do this. Yeah. Um, the, the church is not made or break, make, make, made, made, make it, 
Make, make it or break it. Last yesterday it was you. Now condescension. It's, it's, it's I still con- got it. See, yeah. <laughs> I remember. I, was, I said it after we did the podcast, just to reinforce in my mind. The church is not made or broken, which doesn't made make it. or break. Or made rhymes, it or breaking. Yeah, on one person. And yet, and yet, at the same time, let's just try to balance that. Every person matters. Like it, it's the body analogy, right? First Corinthians twelve. Right. We every every piece of the body matters. So right. no one should exclude themselves on the basis of, well, I'm not that important. Pastor PG just said it in the podcast. I don't, I'm, you know, if I'm not there, someone else will show up. Yes and no. <laughs> right. It's we still there. need you there. Like you, if you're part of this body, like you ought to be really invested because you, yeah. you, you're a critical part of the body. You, you ought to be invested and play your role and play it really well. Yeah. Because you're necessary. Yeah. And we feel that. As a church plant, I think more than I ever have felt before. When somebody's not there, it's like, oof. It's a vulnerability that is rarely replaced quickly. Right. I hear you on that. Right. Man. I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. So we need you. We do. We need you. Well, let's get into Exodus 7, 8, and 9. Let's do it. Not 7 through 12, which is what I thought it was. Pastor PJ read 7 through 12, and he started complaining about the plan. Ah, like, man, like, oh, who did this plan? Jerks. Who picked this thing? I can't believe they made me read so much Bible. <laughs> Resented it. Too much Bible in one day. Wait, uh, you remember Moses was doubting at the end of chapter six. Well, beginning of chapter seven, God uh, really kind of renews the, the commission here. Um, and yet he does so by painting a, a picture that is kind of telling Moses, hey, this is going to be more of a marathon than a sprint. Verse three, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. There it is again, God's sovereignty here. I'm going to multiply my signs and wonders. Uh, Pharaoh's not going to listen to you, verse four. Uh, but the Egyptians, verse five, at the end are going to know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and the, and bring my people out from among them. So he's he's reminding Moses, okay, here's where we're going again. Um, and really verses three through five provide an extended commentary on Romans 9, 17. Uh, so Romans 9, we, we talked about it yesterday, but 9.17 says, For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So when he talks about in verses 3 through 5, what he's going to do to Pharaoh, and that Pharaoh's not going to listen, and then the Egyptians are going to know after he multiplies the signs, that, that's kind of Moses' extended commentary on Paul's writing in Romans 9.17, which is cool that scripture works that way, yep. because it is God-breathed. And so it can, so cool. you can use the old Testament to understand the new Testament and the new Testament to understand the old Testament. It, it goes both, both ways. ways, which is just awesome. There are some principles that govern that, but that, but that shorthand, that's really helpful. Yeah. You should. In fact, we would encourage you as you're working through your Bible, if you, if you have a paper Bible, especially, um, visit and, and write in the margins and, and make the, make the cross references, do those. Cause those really help with yeah. comprehension. You want to understand the whole of scripture. And because we have two parts of this massive book here, you, you need to do your homework and put in the two parts together. And yeah. that kind of synthesis just takes time and energy and effort. Uh, and we would highly encourage you to do that. Yeah. And, and on that note, getting a good Bible with good cross references in it is helpful. And so if you get a study Bible, study Bibles will oftentimes have cross references. We're just a, a there are cross reference Bibles out there that you can purchase. All about that. Yeah. Um, and, and look those up. Don't just let your eyes glaze over those, you know, spend some time saying, okay, what are these other passages? Cause it, it helps us. Favorite study Bible on a, on, at the, at the count of three, right? So we're going to do a, a countdown and then we'll oh, both man. say it at the same time Okay, and let's see which one we land on. Okay. You ready? Three, two, one. ESV, ESV study Bible. Oh, we did it. We're yeah. on the same page. Look at that unity, bro. You it feel is. that? It is. The unity is thick at this church. I just wish it was dispensationally influenced. You know what? That's, that's the one mark against it. There's no perfect study Bible. Right. But uh, yeah, we love the ESV study Bible. So if you don't have it, you should get it. And we haven't plugged Logos in an episode, so let's. <laughs> you should get Logos Bible software. Yep. We would love to encourage you to do that. Yep. In and fact, yeah, bring it to church and, and study all the Greek and Hebrew as Pastor Peach is preaching. Make sure he's preaching it right. 
Yeah, that'd be super helpful. <laughs> that'd be really helpful. Excuse me, Pastor PJ. Here's sarcasm intended there. <laughs> no, but uh, Lagos does have some cool resources on this. In fact, they've got a, a resource. If you get the full resources, the full tools package, which we'd encourage you to do that if you invest in it. Um, is it investment, by the way? It is. But uh, they've got something called important passages. And oh, so you yeah. can open that up. One of my favorites. And when you search for the passage that you're studying and you've got that window open next to it, it brings up all of these cross-references so good. and connects it to each part of the verse that you're studying so Love that it. you can see how those cross-references impact. So, yeah, maybe, you know, who knows? We'll, we'll, maybe we need to do like a Saturday Lagos like training one-on-one yeah. thing with our, with our people. Bring our, our friend Josh out. <clears throat> From uh, from Lagos, um, the Morris Proctor Training Company. Yep. yep, we could do that. We could even, yeah, just between you and I, kind of show some things that are done, and that oh, way yeah. people Selfishly, could get. Selfishly, I want this guy to come teach us some more cool things. Well, I get that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, so back in chapter seven, it's a commentary on Romans nine, uh, essentially there in those first few verses. But uh, Moses then goes before Pharaoh, and it's interesting here that in the first handful of these the magicians are able to to replicate. Now I put replicate in scare quotes, even though I can't really do that on the podcast, podcast uh, the, the, the miracle. And there's there's different opinions on to whether or not this was dark arts or whether or not this was just like a modern day magician pulling a rabbit out of a hat. It's like, right. it's deception that's that causes it to happen. Counterfeit miracle. Right. That's, yeah. Right. What's your opinion? Do you have a strong one either way? I, I, I don't because I, I do think we see a lot of dark things taking place in scripture and the demonic yeah. forces are pretty powerful. Right. Um, and I don't know that it's an either or I think maybe on a couple of these, it may be like pulling the rabbit out of the hat, but yeah. on <laughs> some of the other ones, maybe it is more of a, a demonic thing going on. Well, I look at verse 11. It says he did, they did the same by their secret arts. So I don't know. I, the, the word can, can mean deception, but I, I think uh, to your point, it probably, I think in my, in my mind, connotates some kind of spiritual activity, yeah. which wouldn't be unusual. The, yeah. the devil loves using counterfeits, loves using people that are into the occult and into the witchcraft, which by the way, one of the reasons that we're against it, not because it's not true, not, not that rather, not that it's not real, but that it is real and very dangerous. Yep. So you should stay away from that. So if you have a Ouija board, by the way, get rid of that. Oh, I thought you were asking me. I was like, no, I don't. Yeah. How many do Ouija, Ouija boards board? do you have? I do. How, what themes no. do you have? When, no, are you you have? St- when are you going to stop playing Ouija? <laughs> I don't. I don't. Is that that's how we get your sermon titles? If I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, Ask uh, No, I have a dartboard and I just throw it at the. I'm like, yeah, let's do that one. Hey, real quick point. Moses is 80, by the way. Yeah, he was. Uh, this is this is a long life. He's lived 40 years in Egypt. He has now 40 years in the desert, Midian desert, with his father-in-law and his. Not a whippersnapper. He is. He's. This is a long time. 80 years of being prepared by God for this season of life. Yes. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. First uh, 13. So the first. The sign being that the the serpent the the staff is thrown down and the Moses' staff or Aaron's staff swallows up the other serpents there, which shows God's That's superiority there. Which yeah, but verse thirteen still Pharaoh's heart was hardened and notice this phrase at the end of the, verse thirteen as the Lord had said. As you're reading through these these plagues, pay attention to that because that that phrase shows up time and time and time and time and time again uh, in reference to what Pharaoh's done. And then later on, it's going to show up in reference to when the people obey, they obey the voice of the Lord as the Lord had commanded, as Moses had commanded. That's when it's going to well is, is when you see things like that. Um, but as the Lord had said, Hey, Pharaoh's hardened heart is hardened. So then plague number two, uh, or I guess plague number one really is the, the Nile to blood. Um, the Nile turning to blood. This, this was significant. And in, in a way that we, can't fully wrap our minds around because the, the Nile was really the source of life for Egypt. It was 
the Nile that was was their source of economy. Um, it was their source of food. It was their source of, of water. It was it was everything. A source of transportation. So for God to go after the Nile was really to go after the main artery, the jugular, of, yeah, of the nation of Israel, of of Egypt, and he takes it and he turns it to blood. Um, and not only that, but it, there's blood even in the the other their jars, yeah, containers, the other rivers, everything else. Um, and the people are left to dig for water, and, and yet the magicians are able to replicate the the miracle themselves. A little bit of food color, probably. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Gotcha. And again, though, Pharaoh hardens his heart and and will not let the people go. And uh, as the Lord had said, right? And so then we get the next one, the plague of frogs. The pr- plague of frogs. And I don't know about you, Pastor Rob, but I, I do not think my wife would be all too keen on the plague of frogs. My wife would be pretty excited about that. Does she like the, the animals? She, we, I mean, we felt we had a toad in our yard the other month. Yeah. <laughs> she, she was just like, oh, yeah, let's go pick it up. Yeah. Let's go play with it. Yeah. Kelly's like that, too. Our admin. Like, yeah. she'll... And she... Like, her heart goes after out to the lizards that are that we'll find. <laughs> She's like, rats. oh... That's, lizards, that's true. But rats, she will... In fact, drown. here you go, church. You should ask <laughs> Kelly about her experience as a rat... Trappist. Uh, exterminator. That's that's, that's the way to put it. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to sell her out, but, you know. We just got done talking about how her heart is so soft, compassionate for God's creation. Right. Not all of God's creation. Right. We should qualify. Right. Anyways, the the magicians uh, are, again, able to somehow replicate this. Although Pharaoh is not as impressed with his magicians, he calls Moses and says, okay, look, get these frogs out of here. Um and he says, and then I will let the people go and sacrifice to the Lord. So here you have the, the offer uh, that he's making here to uh, to do this. And this is the first time that Pharaoh agrees to the request, at least agrees at the outset. Um, Moses then flexes uh, for God and says to Pharaoh, okay, tell me the date and time you want this done and it'll be done. Pharaoh gives him the response and, and Moses says, okay. And sure enough, that's exactly what happens. And sure enough, Pharaoh hardens his heart again against the Lord and against the Israelites. And so here comes the next plague, which is the flies or the gnats rather gnats before the flies. This is just going from bad to worse. Um, the the word for gnats here could imply gnats like we know them or mosquitoes or lice. And, uh, the, the dust of the ground is terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. I don't want any lice near me. Nope. The gnats. I feel like I could be okay with, I mean, okay. in, in a sense of like, all right, I can, I can tolerate this perhaps, but lice, whole different ballgame. <coughs> right, right. And so they, the, the dust of the earth, earth is struck and, and uh, the, the gnats come up and they're everywhere. And the magicians are incapable of doing this now. That's right. They, they can't keep up anymore. Back up. Uh, but, verse 19, Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to, the, to them as the Lord had said. Uh, verse 19 is interesting because sometimes we read this too. Sometimes we read Pharaoh hardened his heart. Sometimes we read God hardened his heart. And sometimes we read it in the passive voice Pharaoh's heart was hardened, uh-huh. which leaves it open to interpretation. Right. Is it God? Who is it Pharaoh? His heart, right. right. And the answer is? Yes. Uh, it's both. I see. Right? Yeah. See yeah. So gnats, then flies come up. Uh, and this is the fourth plague, I think, uh, with the, the flies and, and the flies. Uh, the, this time what's unique here is God promises that he's going to spare Goshen, the area where the Israelites were. And so they don't have the flies, but everywhere else does. And it says in verse 24, Egypt was ruined because of this. It's the same word that's used in relation to Sodom and Gomorrah, destroyed. Um, mm. Probably more metaphorical here than real because flies aren't going to destroy yeah. anything. 
but so dense were they uh, around the, the, the area there that they couldn't do anything. I don't even like being in Texas during the summer with flies. I mean, I get yeah. two or three flies in my house. It's like, I can't sleep until I'm like, I have to kill them. Everyone gets a salt shotgun right. and start to kill the flies. Totally. Here. They're so annoying. Yeah. Absolutely. And I can't imagine what this would have been like. Again, in verse 28, Pharaoh says, okay, fine, I'll do it. But then uh, the flies are removed and well, sure enough, there's his heart being hardened again. And then you get that the cows are, are attacked, the livestock in chapter nine, verses one through seven. And uh, it's it says all here. I think it, it's it's interesting to note here that, that this doesn't necessarily mean that every single one, because later with the hail, Moses is going to warn the, the Egyptians, get your livestock out of the fields. Otherwise, they're going to be destroyed by the hail that's going to come. But this was certainly devastating. And again, you think of them being an agrarian culture and economy, they would have had uh, a lot invested in their well-being with regards to their livestock, being able to plow the fields, also provide food and everything else. And, and they're struck with this disease. And it says that, that they, uh, they're wiped out. And um, again, the distinction is made between the livestock of the Egyptians and the livestock of Israel. Uh, and Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead, verse 7, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. So sometimes you have this back and forth where Pharaoh agrees, and then other times you just have him saying, I'm not going to do it. Um, yeah, verse 6, or 6 plague then, verses 8 through 12, the boils. Uh, now the, the people are being afflicted. The progression has uh, has gotten to the point where not only can the magicians not replicate this, but now they can't even stand in, in front of Pharaoh. They can't even show up in front of Pharaoh anymore. And so God continues to flex and God continues to work these things. But verse 12, here you have the Lord acting, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he did not let the people go. And then finally in chapter nine, the hail that comes. Uh, first and only time, by the way, in, in chapter nine, verse 14, that you get the word plagues used here from the Hebrew word that means to smite. And so it's a unique word that's used there in verse 14 uh, to speak of these plagues. Uh, verses 15 through 16, God reminds Pharaoh that he's prolonging this only in order that he might get glory over the Egyptian king. Uh, widespread destruction follows of both man and beast and plant. Again, the people of Israel are, are, are spared. And again, um, Pharaoh hardens his heart again against the Lord. And so uh, th- these are the, the first seven plagues that we get laid out for us in this, uh, this section. Rapid succession, too. Uh, really quick, clear, quickly here, uh, 2 Timothy 3.8, if you want to know the names of the magicians and you want to be ready for the next Bible trivia night, 2 Timothy 3.8 says that Janus and Jambres, 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 I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but Janus and Jambres are the names of these guys that confront Moses, or at least contend with him, very unsuccessfully, we might add. Secondly, let me also point out to you that some of these plagues, you'll notice that Moses gives them a warning. Yep. Let us go, or this is going to happen. And those warnings are God's graciousness toward him. And often he, oh no, all but one, he says, no. Uh, so just notice that God's providing opportunity. There's other times where he just says, I'm just going to, I'm just going to give you the, uh, the, the results of this. So pay attention to those things. Um, and lastly, I want to point out to you that even though you have God saying, I'm going to make a distinction between Egypt and Israel, my personal take on that, and I'd love to hear yours, Pastor BJ, is that probably God made a distinction between Israel and Egypt, even before he before he said it. In other words, it's only here that God begins to say, look, this is this is explicitly what's going to take place. I think perhaps there's an implication that Israel may have been protected in some way, shape, or form. Maybe Goshen was protected more specifically, and I don't know, just some 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 way that God took care of Israel before he made it abundantly clear. Yeah. What would it, you take on that? I, I would agree with that. It could be that with the other ones, Nobody was really paying attention to that. And so this was God calling attention to the fact that, hey, here's what I'm doing. By the way, watch. Right. It's not hitting them. 
Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's in keeping with the general tenure of the, the text. Right. Okay. No, that's it. Awesome. Well, we are thankful that we're not living in Egypt and uh, an Egyptian. Say that again. Yeah, that would be bad. Nobody wants to be in the midst of this. Oh, you know what? Let's talk about this real quick here. Uh, yep. God seems to be picking on the Egyptians. Uh, seems like it's not fair. This, this is awful. Lots of, uh, this is a, a lot of evil committed on the Egyptians. Um, and of course, we have this text here at the end of chapter nine or somewhere in the middle of chapter nine. I'm going to make a, make a show of you. For this purpose, I've raised you up, as he says. So um, how do we deal with the evil that God displays on the Egyptians? Yeah, I, th- I think just shooting from the hip, there, there's a lot to be said, and there's a lot of examples in the Old Testament even of a people suffering for the poor choices and, and sinfulness of their leaders. Um, we see that even with, with David, when David takes the census, and um, you see a situation where at one point in David's life, he says, hey, let, let me be cast into your hands, O Lord, and not into the hands of the, the enemy or the, of mankind, lest they, they do something. For, so it, it is a, a pattern that we find in Scripture where the people— suffer for their leadership. Their leadership represents them in, in a lot of ways. And I think right. we, we see some of that here. <coughs> Pharaoh representing uh, the people of Egypt, fairly or unfairly, it, it is what it is, has thrown a fist in the face of God and flexed on, on God in that. And you don't have all of the Egyptian people rising up saying, Pharaoh, this isn't right. We need to let the people go. Yeah. So there's complicity, I think, in that as well. And so I think there's... Right there's grounds for it. Yeah. Probably the only thing that we could add to that is just to really heighten your sense of the fact that no one is innocent. Right. The Egyptians are not innocent, even if they're technically innocent by not personally enslaving any Hebrews, not personally saying, no, you guys can't leave, but none of us are innocent. And that's something that ought to inform the way that you look and read, look at all the Bible texts that we're about to read and how you interpret them. We're going to encounter some pretty heavy things as we move our way through these next several chapters and the next several books. And you might be tempted to say, well, man, God is just a, he's a really different God in the Old Testament. He's mean. He has this or he's that. We'll we'll do our best to navigate you through those. But understand, no one is innocent. None are righteous, not even one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You and I, we, we, we read sometimes the wrong way where we, we read our experience and our testimony into how God has dealt with others. Um, the, the grace that you've received is not fair. I mean, that, that's just the reality. It's not fair. Uh, if God were to give everyone what's fair, none of us would have any opportunity to go to heaven because we would all be condemned for our sin. Both the passive sin that we've received and the active sin that we personally commit, <coughs> sins of omission and commission, all of that feeds into the fact that we are all guilty and the Egyptians are guilty too. Even though you might feel some compassion for them, I get that. Um, I wouldn't say don't feel that, but just recognize we're all guilty. And if it weren't for the grace of God, we would be in much the same boat. Yep. I am going to die from coughing if I don't wrap up. If you just take that cigarette out of your <coughs> mouth, bro, look, here, let me just put that thing out for you. <laughs> hey, keep reading your Bibles and join us tomorrow where hopefully I won't be coughing. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.